listeners, and welcome back to the Skylight Books podcast. Uh, we are here today with another episode of Better Than the Movie, the series where we discuss uh, books and their film adaptations. I'm your co-host, Justin Reamer. I am Alan Trailer. I'm Tyler Austin. And today we have a special guest that I'm going to introduce in one second, but I got to get some uh, get some business uh, out of the way up top. Firstly, if you made it to the end of our last episode, we said we were going to be discussing Misery. Um, that got pushed. We will be discussing Misery next month. Um, if you read the book, uh, you're just you're just ahead of the game. So yeah, uh, Mark Rainey will be with us next month to talk about Misery. Uh, a perfect late summer choice all right anyhow uh secondly uh i rambled on at the beginning of the last episode about a quote black and white french movie i couldn't remember we have since found it It is a french canadian film called slut in a good way it is on the people's streaming service tubi um and i recommend it so check out slut in a good way it is a very good uh female-led uh coming of age story and most importantly the American Cinematheque has announced that they have excellent taste in podcasts and are including us in their Friend of the Fest first podcast film festival. Um, it's the last week of August. They haven't announced uh, which movie we're going to be talking about or uh, when the showings are, but keep tuned to AmericanCinematheque.com for more info if you're in the Los Angeles area. Okay, great. So our guest for today is the author of But Have You Read the Book? 52 Literary Gems That Inspired Our Favorite Films, Kristen Lopez! Hello! Thank you so much! Oh, we're so happy to have you. And uh, the book and film we are discussing today is Jaws. Jaws! Jaws. The book by Peter Benchley, the film directed by uh, Steven Spielberg, written by Carl Gottlieb, Peter Benchley, and an uncredited Howard Sackler. Um, yeah, uh, usually like to start off by talking about the genre in question, and I guess today's genre is sharks. So, uh, let's talk about some shark stories. A lot of, a lot of modern shark stories are just ripped off of Jaws, so it's pretty fitting. But, um, Kristen, do you, do you have any goodies that you wanted to talk about? You know, I'm completely unoriginal because the shark phenomenon, like you said, is a very contemporary genre of movie. So I tried to find classic film examples of shark movies. And maybe you'll get a movie set in like a tropical locale where a shark is present, but you don't get anything with a shark as the focus because of Jaws. So I'm completely unoriginal, but I am, my mom and I are big fans of Deep Blue Sea. Fuck yeah, I was gonna mention that. Yes, 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 yes. It's a movie with a message because not only is it about giant sharks, but it's also about critiquing like animal experimentation and also how we desperately need a cure for Alzheimer's. So... I mean, I'm all for that in a delightful film where there are people being thrown at uh, And there's glass a shark-themed rap song. Yes. <laughs> Deepest Blues, my head's like a shark My head's like a shark fin. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. As an English major, I just have questions about what all of that means. But I, I love it because, like, any Jaws ripoff, if it takes itself too seriously, you get something like, like Sharknado. Yeah. Right, which you can't really enjoy as anything other than a comedy, right? Yeah. But at least Deep Blue Sea has like real actors, so yeah. 
it does have this level of like legitimacy to it. Thomas which, Jane Solo in that movie, yeah. man. Exactly. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård's <laughs> in there. Like, it's it's got some great like heavy hitting actors where you're like, I want to know what went into the thought process of like somebody sits you down. They're like, we want you to make a shark movie called Deep Blue Sea, and they're like, yes. I mean, I'm assuming it's money. But yeah. well it's also one of those things too where like at the time like it's like oh this is just summer trash but now movies oh, are so much trashier that it's like this is kind of like high quality like Weirdly, yeah. yeah there's nothing wrong with trash but <laughs> well, what's what's interesting about deep blue sea is that i mean i remember when it came out it was like oh sharks haven't been a thing in a minute like yeah. it really did bring back a revival even though it's kind of a jaws ripoff but then it in turn sparked a revival of like when animals attack movies like Lake Placid and yeah. other movies. So in a way, coming off of Jaws, it also inspired other movies that imitated Deep Blue Sea. So it's all circular. Is that why we got Anaconda? Oh, another great I, Anaconda one. Anaconda was oh. before though. That was oh. 97. Yeah, which Anaconda right. is just joy of its own kind. So. One of my favorite things in the world is to do John Voight saying "esplode." Dude, the, the, best, the best John Voight part is when he gets regurgitated. Yeah, digested and winks at the camera. That, I mean, the whole movie. The whole movie. His insane accent, that whole film is... Yeah. It, the whole thing's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is also amazing in Deep Blue Sea. Obviously, yeah. I feel like that is the moment of that movie is he gives the big Samuel L. Jackson speech and, and then the shark great. bursts through and kills... It's Spoilers, amazing. dude. Oh, it's from 1990. Yeah. Yes, okay. But I do wonder, too, if that also is inspired by Psycho. Because, oh. like, 96, to completely go field. So you had Scream, right? Which mm -hmm. which brought back the whole concept of, like, bringing in an A-list actor only to off them. Yeah. And I think that, that, much like this, like, we got the... But I think what works in Deep Blue Sea's favor is that Samuel L. Jackson's there... For a significant portion of time, yeah. you get complacent. It's like, like half the movie. Yeah, yeah. and you get really complacent that he's yeah. just gonna stick around. And then they, when they off him, you're like, it. I don't want to say it changed things because it's <laughs> but it really the, the did. world shifted. The and players that are the same, but the game has changed. Exactly, and it played on audience expectations of like, well, crap. Like you can have an actor for half the movie, and then yeah. you can just decide to like kill them. It reminds me a lot of the blob remake from the 80s oh that one rips exactly yeah. where you have this like a lot of good people where you're like oh these are really great people like you yeah. love them and then the movie's just like screw you we're gonna <laughs> decimate them the blob don't care yeah <laughs> so wait alan you you said you were gonna bring deep blue sea did you have any other stories that you were in no, your brain it's great i want to mention the rap that it's never left my brain uh no i don't think i have anything else to add really Okay, it well, is weirdly like a. It's a lot like the raid in that they're climbing the tower trying oh, to get to the yeah. surface, um, but that's kind of it. Yeah. The only other movie I wanted to mention was The Meg. Yeah. With my yeah. boy, The Stathe. Yeah. <laughs> is The Stathe Meg yeah. Two coming? Yeah, yeah. it's coming out soon. Right. August, yeah. This summer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like the perfect time for a Meg Two. Is like an yeah. August. I don't Meg feels like the only Deep Blue Sea style movie. It's serious enough. But it is it is definitely in on the joke a little bit. Directed I mean, by Ben Wheatley. Oh my god, I still can't get over yeah. that. I still can't oh, get over wow. that. Wow, he didn't do the first one though, right? I no, the say... the first one was like John Turtletop or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh sure, that does count. Kind of 
So again, I would love to know yeah. the conversation. <laughs> I'm assuming it was just a contract that was like, here's the exorbitant amount of cash we're going to give you. But yeah, I'll do it. I don't know. Maybe somebody had a really good pitch and they're like, we need that Wheatley touch. Yeah. Well, well, but that, I was surprised because someone actually in the store bought like the sixth Meg book the other day. And I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't realize this was a book series first <laughs> as well. So yeah, yeah Steve um, Alton's book series is really great. I recommend pretty much all of his stuff. He did, I know that Meg 2, The Trench, is, I don't think it's actually necessarily based off of the, he, he yeah. has a lot of really interesting, like, shark stories. The Meg series, I think, does not follow any of his books, which is unfortunate. <laughs> so if you're looking for an adaptation worth reading, um, I recommend it. He also has a really good, like, Doomsdayer 2012 type of book series that's really fun. Um, so yeah, Steve Alton, great, great author to read. Yeah. Wow, I did not realize. That's well. I mean, look, you get Statham in it. It's all, all the literary. It becomes is, about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to be centered on him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was mostly like thinking because, like, I was trying to think Shark, and obviously I went to Deep Blue Sea, and I was like, I know Alan's going to come up with that one for sure. I watch it once for a year. Sure, dude. I watch it once uh, a year. It's, there's no way that's getting by him. Uh, so I was like more interested, almost in like other people versus nature kind of thing. Mm. So it's like I feel like you get like the piranha. Is great, yeah. Pir- like the Corman oh, yeah, Piranha yeah. is a lot of fun. Uh, I always, I really like the Edge, Baldwin and Hopkins. Oh, oh yeah. that's yeah. A, bear, a bear, right? the one yeah. that David Mamet wrote. Mam- exactly, it's got that Mamet touch, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, <laughs> it's a, so, an illegal touch. <laughs> <in> a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I mean, those like it definitely, I feel like also spun that as like it's a, it's sort of like yeah. Die Hard Anna. It's like people verse mm-hmm. animal of some kind. That's it's. I mean, I guess you could even look at, like, a cocaine bear is, like, probably cocaine in that. Cocaine bear's magic, so. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> it's so, uh, it's out there. You yeah. know, that it's in the water. Yeah, or even uh, in, oh, in that zombie movie where he's versus the shark underwater. Wait, what? It's the, uh... Oh, oh the, the Fulci about, right? movie, it's zombie. Fulci, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, a 20-minute sequence of a zombie versus a shark in that movie. <laughs> and I thought of that also immediately. Yeah, if we're if we're throwing out other animal attack movies, uh, I just watched Alligator for the first oh, time. Oh yeah. yeah, did not know, did not expect Robert Forrester to be in that. But he is <laughs> so good. He's in it. so good. Again, it helps to have an actor that understands like you still need to act. You can't yeah. like wink at the camera. So I give that I give that credit. But then it also makes me think of to go back to Anaconda. What I love about Anaconda is that you have Eric Stoltz in that for about ten minutes who just shows up to yeah. be unconscious for the entire just movie. Just collecting a paycheck. Collecting that paycheck, which I, I respect that. I respect it so much. Yeah. That was also, like, the interesting time for Owen Wilson, too, where, like, he had not broken through, so he's just, like, the crappy boyfriend in that movie. Oh, wow. Up to Dude, J- I totally J-Lo. forgot about that. Or, like, in uh, Armageddon when he shows up just to also get killed, like, right away, and you're yeah. like, well, I mean, this guy's so much better. <laughs> yeah. Make him, like, one of the stars <laughs> of the movie. He's cool. He's in Haunted Mansion. He's very good in it. I oh. say that if you're looking for an nice. Owen Wilson oh, uh, watch. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I know. Bring, he's, uh, well, yeah, and then they rekindled that J-Lo... Owen Wilson chemistry and marry me. It was oh, we, we were all waiting for that anaconda reunion, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. guys? Right? You're it right. Yeah, wasn't. Uh, okay, so let me just do my shark. So I I didn't do anything fancy. I, I I mentioned before you got here, Kristen, that I have seen Shark Exorcist, but I didn't like go on a run of like no budget shark exploitation things. But it's worth noting that's a huge thing right now. Just. Uh, get a plug-in image of a shark attacking someone and then 
then sell it to Tubi, the people's streaming service. Um, mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, um, what I did is I watched Jaws 1 for this one. Jaws 2, which, uh, just a real quick thing, I thought was interesting that, for me, Roy Scheider's characterization of Chief Brody feels more like the Brody in the book. Um, maybe just because he's drunk all the time. But then I had in my dad's basement a a script I had gotten in, in like junior high or high school and had never read, which is the unmade National Lampoon's Jaws 3 People Zero. And I read that, <laughs> and as I Still texted you at like yeah. eleven o'clock last night, I'm I'm probably a bit sleep deprived, but this is okay. <laughs> um, it's uh, just to catch you up if you didn't get a script in high school of uh, National Lampoon's Jaws Three People Zero. Basically, Maddie Simmons from National Lampoon, not a comedy um, writer, <laughs> uh, came came to uh, Richard Zanuck and David Brown, the producers of the first two Jaws movies, and he's like, "How about we do it as a spoof?" And they're like, okay, whatever, money, great. Um, Jesus. And <laughs> and at some point, either the studio thought better of it, or Spielberg straight up came to them and Spielberg was like, Spielberg was like, no, yeah. absolutely not. I, I've heard, I know this for a fact that he was just like, I will kill this. I, you, I, I, I am a, ma- a god among men. I will kill yeah, this just with a snap of my fingers. Happens, so. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's true. Well, they were waiting to do Jaws 3D. (laughs) (laughs) The script on the on the title page it's credited story by Maddie Simmons, um, screenplay by John Hughes and Todd Carroll, who at the time were just National Lampoon writers, but eventually went on to Todd Carroll worked on OC and Stiggs, both the story and the better forgotten Robert Altman movie, um, and uh, and also like. Uh, what was it? Uh, National Lampoon's Movie Madness, and John Hughes did some things too. You've heard of that guy. Um, mm-hmm. But the 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 premise is basically that they're making Jaws three. Steven Spielberg has been fatally not fatally maimed, <laughs> but has been terribly maimed. Is like I'm quitting this movie. Uh, a a studio executive is eaten by the shark, and. The the will of the studio executive is read, and for some reason he gives all of his shares to this woman living in uh, Spud Lint, Idaho, a town where the main industry is making lint out of potatoes to stick in people's clothing pockets. Oh my god, dude. Um, <laughs> Alright. Um, and her son is a huge sci-fi nerd, and because her his mom now runs the studio, he gets to be the new director of Jaws 3, which he turns into a like, not unlike invasion. how Hollywood works. Yeah, I mean, an, yeah. Al- an alien invasion like epic, and there's just like a lot of dumb gags. And and ep- it was a searing critique of nepotism, right? Obviously, feels timely to me. Yeah, And I'm not going to get into all the gags, but like the movie literally ends. With something I don't know how they would have been able to do with special effects in 1983, but it's like after the premiere of Jaws 3, Jaws is standing on the street on his back fins, like holding the e- like an what? evil studio executive up on a hook. What? And then it and then it was supposed to pan away to a marquee saying "Coming soon, Jaws 4." And I'm just like, how? What? How are you gonna make Jaws stand on his back fin and hold up a studio? Ex- Anyhow, clearly a guy in a suit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Get that shark from Universal, man. Just yeah. dump Bruce, him on the Bruce street. Get Bruce up yeah. on the yeah. 
there's also a part of me that like su- supposedly Joe da- Dante was maybe going to make it is like oh see I would have loved that I'm like maybe Joe Dante could have figured out a way for that to happen but he might have also been like let's do another draft of <laughs> of this guy <laughs> I think it might have changed a little from page to screen if he was involved hope you hope you hope yeah. maybe yeah. yeah but um all right so yeah let's go from a story in which oh so yeah the opening sequence of Jaws Three People Zero is Peter Benchley being murdered by Jaws, <laughs> wow, in his swimming pool in Beverly Hills. Uh, um, okay. But let's go from that to his original vision. Jaws. Jaws. No, no numbers. No numbers. Yeah. I'm tempted to say Jaws One. Jaws. Jaws. No numbers. Jaws Prime. Um, <laughs> Tyler, you've become the synopsis guy. Would you like to uh, synopsize this very well-known story? Sure. Which okay, cool. so okay. So we'll start with the book, right? I guess we'll go with the book. Sure. You get the idea. Uh, oh, no, great synopsis. <laughs> Done. You've seen the movie. It's Jaws. Uh, the the book. So it's based. It very. It opens the same way. Christine Watkins running on the beach. She goes into the water. She's eaten by a shark. This shark is um, smarter than other sharks. Mm-hmm. Bigger than other sharks. Damn smart. Same smart. Yeah, it's a smart it's a fish. <laughs> I, I, okay, anyways. Uh, okay, we'll keep going. I was going to say, there's so much fish talk in the book. That was like, it's pretty great. Oh, yeah, uh, they just keep referring to it as, as the, the fish. fish. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel like we know it's a shark. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't think that when I hear fish, I think of like Dory from Finding Dory. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't think of shark. Killer Dory. Again, Words have meaning. As an English major, it's a shark. You wouldn't call a, a turtle a, the amphibian or something. I mean, I'm, I might now, though. I mean, you could. Don't send me emails about technically turtles aren't amphibians. Uh, I do think of Crush from uh, as as an amphibian. Yeah. Now. yeah. Well, and it's like it's interesting like a one time if he calls it like the big fish, but like it's so yeah. many times in the book. But anyways, local police chief Martin Brody. Uh, is called in because Christine Watkins is missing because no one knows what happened to her. They find her body on the beach immediately. Shark. They, you know, the town is in an uproar. Uh, like he wants to shut the beaches. The mayor doesn't want to. They add in a like newspaper. Well, it's more like it's character. more like the Illuminati of the town is in an uproar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because they're like, we're not even going to mention the this. partners. Mysteri- yeah. Larry Vaughn uh, has mysterious. Mayor Larry Vaughn has mysterious partners in the book. Who may or may Real not be the mafia? <laughs> yeah, he's a rental magnet. He's, yeah. uh, and then like so, a big part of it is like Martin is a local guy. His wife is an out of t- like someone who would vacation on the island. They get together. So Ellen Brody's a much bigger character in this, where she's like having all these feelings about being like, oh my past. If I had married a guy with money, and I wouldn't be here, my life would be so different. Like be more like what my my adolescence was like, I guess. So then enter Hooper. Oceanographer slash playboy, uh, all around stud, <laughs> total yeah. stud. Not mm-hmm. Richard Dry, not described not, like Richard not, Dreyfus not at all. Yeah. all. Nineteen-year-old <laughs> Izod shirt wearing, yeah. like oh, uh, or Lacoste, right? Isn't or is it? I can't remember the little lizard. Is that yeah, Izod? Lacoste. Uh, Lacoste oh, is yeah, the sorry. well. I just remember because so also to say, I did a paper on this exact 
like adaptation from book to screen in in twelfth grade, <laughs> and was scandalized by the Ellen Hooper uh, affair that happens yeah, yeah. in the middle of the book as a senior, yeah. who is like a kid who'd watch Jaws like every year. You mean year. the bulk of the book? The most of the book <laughs> is so. So Hooper comes in. She had dated his older brother, Ellen. They have like sparks are flying. They have a dinner party, and then all of a sudden she's like, "I'm gonna cheat on my awesome husband who looks like Roy Scheider with this guy." It happens. There's a well, lot of tension fair, around in the that. Book, he does have a paunch. He, oh, he's got a bit of a paunch. Yeah, and he's he's. But she says, "I like you, chunky," True. which is a thing that I want True. my now fiance to say to me. Oh, hey. anyways, congratulations! Uh, thank you. In uh, case for some reason you were following our lives, yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you were wondering. Tyler is now engaged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she cheats on her husband, which obviously is like. I was kind of impressed by how much more like police work Brody does in the book. Actually, like there was like yeah. like when he sees the boat when they find Ben Gardner's boat, which happens much earlier in the book than in the movie. Like he's like, oh, they pulled the transom off, and what like you know he's like doing like real like investigative, and yeah. he also investigates Hooper and is like trying to pin him down for an alibi. Yeah, as to because well, he already knows what's going down. Yeah. He just it turns into like a John Grisham novel kind for of, a very yeah. brief amount of time. It's really strange. It's very strange. He's like doing all this work, but then. Quint. Well, also, like in the movie, isn't Ben Gardner like an old fisherman? Yeah. But in in the story, he's like a like a probably middle aged family man and his wife. Like 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 um, Brody's doing all this stuff to basically like manage like get, get someone over there before yeah. I tell her. Yeah, your husband's probably dead, and um, uh, which is kind of odd. Like like basically, there's a lot more like uh, angry mothers and wives at. Chief Brody in the book. Dude, just being yeah. like so brutal in the book. <laughs> well, because so much of the book is based on case. In case people were asking, they have more questions when they read the, the watch the movie. If you wanted to know about the Amity economy, yeah, like yeah. Oh, the book has you covered because yeah. so much of the frustration with the townsfolk is that they are concerned that they are not going to be able to feed their families, yeah. Yeah. and that's. I think what kind of gets lost in the movie, not that we necessarily need it, yeah. is like the people you watch you watch the film and you're like, oh okay, one bad beach yeah. day, you know, and and the mayor is like, well, this is bad for me, but you don't really yeah. see how it resonates with the townsfolk. Whereas Benchley really goes hard on like these people are going to be like Dickensian street waves, yeah. like huddled in blankets <laughs> because they don't actually yeah. have money to just feed people. Just straight ruination yeah. if just... one summer doesn't go right. Exactly. It's like, like crops. Yeah. It's like, it's like they're all farmers waiting yeah. on one bad harvest and you're just like, okay, I feel we, we've established this, but he really goes hard. Yeah. Which Benchley's whole thing was that he didn't want to tell a story about a shark. Like yeah, he and really, that's very obvious. Yeah, he, he is telling the story of like economic blight, and yeah. I think he's he he's done he did interviews where he talked about the shark is actually just a symbol yeah. for any type of economic blight that can just devastate a town. And you're like. That's a bit heavy-handed, Pete, but, I mean, you <laughs> I do, do well, it's basically like, people's livelihood versus people's lives. Yeah. It's like the entire book, essentially. Yeah. Which the movie also does, but, like, 
crazily more subtly. <laughs> like yeah, again, just giving it right out the way. Yeah, it's it, like, boom. Yeah. Which, and I will say, having so I'll just quickly skip to the movie. There's one woman in the like town meeting who like runs the motels or something. Oh, the woman's like, I don't think that's funny. That's the best performance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's funny at all. I don't think that's funny at all. It's like I know exactly. I know that woman. And she's I've right. Her. It's not funny. <laughs> it's not. Someone that just funny. died. That's not funny at all. I was like, I love you. You're the best. So like they nail. They get through that stuff so much more quickly and efe- efficiently in the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's really the story of the movie is basically streamlining all of the extraneous stuff from the book and making every right choice. Well, also, yeah. like, like rewatch, like, you know, because, you know, we're American film buffs. We've seen Jaws 10 million times or whatever. Like, I rewatched it two nights ago after having read the book. And it's just like, oh, this kind of almost opens like an Altman film because, like, a lot of stuff from the book is being said, but just, like, overlapping yeah. and quickly and just, like, you feel the hustle-bustle of the town and maybe you catch it, maybe you don't, who cares? But, like, but like it's like, yeah, we got it out of the way. Now let's focus on a shark. Yeah. 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 It's, it's one of the things about adaptation that is really interesting because you take something like... Benchley was was fine, ultimately, with what Spielberg did with his book, but... I think Benchley's biggest hang-up was he said that he feared that he had ruined, like, shark appreciation. Yeah. Like, he thought that people were now going to hunt sharks because the movie sent- emphasized that they were bad. But then you compare that to something like like Kubrick and um, The Shining. You know, King hated that version. But both Kubrick and Spielberg are doing the exact same thing, which is weeding out all of the things. Because yeah. you have to please two totally different audiences with an adaptation. You have to please the people that have read the book and love the book. And then you have to please people that have never even heard of this book and just want to see a good movie. And often that can be two very, very different things. And Jaws is a really great example. When I added it into the list, I had never read the book before. And people, one of the big criticisms I get about the book is, why would you include Jaws? The book is trash. Wow. People really don't think the book is any good. They're like, there's no reason to read it. The movie's perfect. And I'm like... I mean, the movie is perfect. It is, yes. Uh, the book is not trash. It is very pervy. The book um, was a bestseller, though, when it came... Yeah. And that's the thing I, I keep reminding people. Like, you may think it's bad now. Right. But at the time, it was a huge hit. So much so that Spielberg was like, I want to adapt this book. Yeah. So clearly people responded to it at the time. I think what's interesting, though, is the the concept of hindsight because most people like my age don't even know that there is a book they yeah, assume that yeah. spielberg just conceived this out of his own head yeah. and then they find they find that much like something like jurassic park you know you'd be really hard pressed to find people like millennials on up who re- who saw the or read the book first mm-hmm. yeah so and i think that that's the case here is that you're never going to compare to the movie if you saw the movie first yeah that's exactly yeah it's true it's you're it's grading on a very different curve of like it's a little unfair to see a masterpiece and then go to be like oh yeah, what's oh, all this, this other shit i'm sure because yeah. that's the thing it is like probably a fine it is a fine book yeah. like yeah. it ultimately is i mean decent. i was definitely enraged multiple times uh his his friend at the gazette that just oh yeah completely bones him yes I couldn't believe oh, that guy. i wanted to yeah. rip him out of the book dude. oh so i did <laughs> i did read a little bit of carl gottlieb's jaws log because i was hoping to get like anything about adapting it and one of the things that was funny is he was like with each rewrite i'm cutting my because he plays that character he's like with each rewrite i'm basically cutting myself out because i am not necessary yeah Yeah. um there's enough of the rest of the town being like chief brody you can't do this which it is totally unnecessary in the book i mean like that is a big part of it is he's one of the major probably the 
main four characters yeah. basically and, I, and he look, really adds very little dude they talk brody into not just downplaying it and then when the shit hits the fan they're all like looking around like i had nothing to do with that you're the chief right <laughs> hey, brody, it's like are you kidding me bro the underside of this bus uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways that was the wrong call turns out Ooh. chief uh, <laughs> I, I was so mad Ooh. in the book, dude. Well, to to wrap up the synopsis, oh, right. uh, I so so then they they bring in uh, Quint, who is introduced way later in the book. I mean, yeah. you meet him one moment early, and then like he well, yeah, comes there's in like these later. little like flashes of like vox pop of like what's the town feeling right now? Yeah, yeah. And there's like here's a father and a son. Yeah, here's here's the guy at the. The delicatessen. Here, uh, yeah. yeah, just like, oh, which which then is also kind of mixed messages of like, we sold more pastrami today than we have in six months yeah. just for a big fish. And it's like, oh, wait, so I guess the town's doing better? There's like disaster <laughs> yeah. tourism popping up now? Yeah, it's kind of really unclear in the movie when <laughs> like, all those guys come to hunt the shark. It's like, yeah. so are they just doing okay then? Yeah, or? maybe like they are selling more stuff. I don't know. But it, so, they, so eventually it leads to the kind of what most of the movie, half of the movie is, which is Brody, Hooper, and Quint out on a boat hunting the shark now again one of the things they do in the book that like you totally understand why this is in the movie is they come in every night which just like they like oh we're just going out for the day and coming back and it's like obviously in the movie once they're on the boat they have to stay on the boat just makes so much more sense yeah but anyways they keep going out they keep going out eventually hooper tragically is eaten that that, we don't know that um, you know it just fades out. He could cucker. be fine. That, that he could be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess that's true. He could be fine. Well, no wait. But isn't there the descript that like one of Benchley's descriptions of then he felt his innards? Yeah. No. I mean, he's, out def- yeah. no, no. He's one hundred percent. He gets real eaten. Yeah. He like gets punched in the stomach by the shark and eaten. Yeah. Uh, as they say, and then yeah, he he dies in the shark cage, which you would know from the from the movie. Uh, and then they go out one more day. They they get the shark and then like what is it Quint basically like heroically harpoons the shark as he's like jumped onto the boat it's bleeding out uh, Brody's in the water the boat's going down he thinks he's gonna get eaten by the shark and then in like a total anticlimax which I kind of have come to respect he thinks he's about to get eaten and then the shark just like slowly floats towards him and it's dead yeah. and then that's it that's literally like suffocating, right? exactly yeah. the end of the movie <laughs> yeah or the book sorry and that's the, the end of the book and then, which that's it. which like I'm tr- like trying to parse it I was like maybe it's just supposed to be the cruel irony of like if Quint had hung on for a few minutes, he wouldn't have died. Yeah. Oh, well, that's... And I think there is, like, a really evocative image in the book of, like, Quint gets, like, his foot wrapped around a rope, so he's, like, actually tied to the shark, who then dives, and he drowns. And then, so, like, the shark starts to sink, and then, like, Quint is, like, literally attached to him by the foot and, like, also goes down with him. I was like, that's pretty evocative. Metaphor. Metaphor, exactly. (laughs) The man made his life by killing sharks, and he'll die by a shark. You know, well, something. I think what's interesting to point at it, the whole concept of Hooper dying, which we got to talk more about Hooper. Oh, so no, we will get deep. <laughs> but, we will. Killing off Hooper almost feels like old Hollywood, like, punishment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because 1,000%. you don't yeah. really feel bad for Hooper throughout the book. And and I kept reminding myself this is supposed to be Richard Dreyfus, but the problem is, is he's not described that way, <laughs> yeah. so it was hard to figure out. But... But you never really feel sympathy for him as a character. Yeah. That's, I think, what works in the movie's yeah. favor is that you care about all three of these characters. Yeah. So their deaths have meaning. Yeah. When Hooper does finally die, you're like, well, look at that guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He he's was... like a, he's like a whiny trust fund kid. You're like, whatever. Yeah. 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 I, I imagine Jan Michael Vincent. Oh, for, that's for good casting. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, he's the the 1970s. Just a hot bod. 
He's the 1970s equivalent of like the Winklevoss twins. Like, I just, I'm like, I'm not really vibing with his death. I'm okay with this. I'll be fine. Yeah. It's really. And so is Ellen, which yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, well, dude. I mean, she's like, oh, okay, guess that's done. Yeah, he's toast. That's fine. <laughs> I, I will say there's one more thing in the book that is crazy because they do eventually come back around with the newspaper reporter guy who just reads like the most glowing. And I was like, why did he do that? He just basically is like, yeah, it was all my fault. It was all my fault. Unprovoked. The whole town sucks. Yeah. Martin Brody's the best guy ever. Yeah. He's got a really good golf and game. Like, You're right. He's the best like... father in town. <laughs> yeah. He only cares about people's safety. He's, he's taller him... than me. He's taller. He's more handsome. He looks great in a bathing suit. Yeah, it's like, 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 <laughs> that, that day in Amity, there was a slow clap that just yeah. built around Brody. the town. Yeah. yeah, the whole town opened up their paper and started chanting, Brody, Brody, Brody. I was well, like, this is insane. That's the thing, too, is like the book doesn't have really any sense of resolution you're just no. kind of like waiting to be like the answer to those questions like how do him and ellen get over the fact that yeah. like this has happened how does the town get over the fact that they pretty much all like treated each other horribly like the the threat is gone but what yeah. are we what are we really saying and you don't need that in the movie yeah. like it's just straightforward hero moment but because benchley is just so interested in the minutiae yeah you end up asking really like minute questions about like okay well listen i need you to give me a bit yeah. more i that. will say that's i think like the third or fourth time there's just an entire news article written from <laughs> like read from beginning to end i'm like wow why why <laughs> he's like i gotta get these last 20 pages <laughs> yeah, to yeah I gotta, just gotta spill out a little do you know bit. what it reminded me of is the i've only read the first one in the series but the first um uh Stieg larson Girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, there are just like precise. articles from his his magazine, like five pages. It's like okay, yeah. I guess this is necessary background for whatever messed up <laughs> stuff is going to happen yeah. later. But uh, I, so I will. So then, obviously, like this adaptation, everybody I feel like knows. It really breaks down to like half of the movie is on land, dealing with the shark, the idea of the shark, what's going to happen, how are we going to deal with the shark, and then half of it is on water they're out on the ocean hunting the shark, which I think is just, like, immediate... Like, this is an adaptation... I would describe it as, like, the platonic ideal of an adaptation of, like, they just had an innate sense of what would work from this book. What is interesting to take from this book, yeah. to emphasize from the book, like, the barrels is something that's in the book yeah. and then is used so much more effectively on film yeah. or, like, so much of the exposition. Like, Eve, I was just taken by watching, like, the very first scene with Brody where you're, like oh, we learn he's an outsider as opposed to having been someone who's like an Amity resident, which is much more interesting. He's a literal fish out of water. Yeah, he moved here to keep, <laughs> keep it real, take well, it easy. He, you know? he doesn't want to be a New York City cop anymore, and they establish that by his wife in the first scene going, now nah, on Amity you say yod. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, that's such brilliant exposition. Yeah. It's insane like how good they are getting out that information. Uh, so I think that's like... but I, Yeah, so... Anyways, I don't know. Are there any other adaptation moments where you're like, oh, that's brilliant from the book that they put in the movie? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I mean, not to, not to change it to a different... I, I think Spielberg is one of the few directors that really does adaptation well, just general. He's done several of them at this point. Mm -hmm. I have to believe he's a big reader in, in some form. But it's something... It's completely different than if you are looking at, like, Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park is a fantastic book. You can read that book and you can see that movie and neither loses anything mm -hmm. by you enjoying either. If anything, you're like, oh, I wish these elements of the book had maybe translated to the film, but really, I don't care because they're both perfect in their own way. But then you have something like Jaws where 
nobody's really asking for more of the book in the film. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I would love to like just pick Spielberg's brain one day and just be like, when you read a book, like what are you looking for when you're adapting? Because he seems to just innately know what works for which yeah. version of, of the medium that he's working with. Yeah. yeah, like the 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 again. I didn't read all of the Jaws log, but it seemed like the, it seemed like in the early days it was basically like he's like I see some really good sequences, and we just got to get in a writer here to make them tie together in a better way. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it makes sense. And I mean, I know for sure. Like obviously, like now the end of the movie is so much more of a climax, which again works for a movie. Like a, especially what is becomes your like prototypical blockbuster, like invents the blockbuster. Like you have to yeah. go out with a bang and they literally go out with a Smile, giant son bang of a bitch. and a massive explosion, which yeah. like, I don't, I, I watched some behind the scenes doc at some point and like, I don't know who was lobbying against it. Like maybe it was like someone who's just like, you can't actually blow up an air tank with a rifle, which is true. Mythbusters proved it. <laughs> Myth, I don't know if you saw that episode. Their Jaws Week, their, like their Shark Week yeah. special of Mythbusters. They tried to blow Myth up an air tank with a rifle. Didn't do it. Didn't work. So, but he's like maybe literally they shot it wrong. You know? Maybe they, well, they, they didn't shoot it with passion. You think Adam they Savage and Jamie? They weren't seeking in the heat of the moment. You think those two guys work? didn't test every version of it, Alan, Adam, and Jamie? <laughs> Adam and Jamie left something out on the floor. Those guys. I mean, they right. had an extended episode about whether. <laughs> Jack Ambrose would have fit on that door. So. They, these guys, they don't leave anything to chance. That's true. That's true. Uh, but, but literally, did they, did, Spielberg, they, did they later do, like, will the power line in Jaws 2 actually kill them? <laughs> they should have. I think they did. They do a bunch of Jaws ones where, like, could a shark literally jump onto a boat like that? It's yeah. kind of great. Um, but, like, Spielberg literally is, like, goes, whoever he was fighting about this, who was just, like, trying to convince him, you can't do this. He goes, at that point in the movie, the audience will be so in my hands, I can take them wherever I want. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're right. You were 100% right, most yeah. powerful man in Hollywood. You did a good <laughs> job. <laughs> like, and also, it, like, I think it is interesting in the book, like, it kind of works like Brody is a guy who is in no way equipped to fight and or kill a shark. So he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Like, well, he actually doesn't. He's well, just the there. It's that, yeah. fascinating about Benchley is I thought... The dinner party sequence where, like, Ellen is clearly feeling her first pangs of attraction for Hooper and is like, uh, let's have a dinner party. And, and what and, a like, dinner party and, and, like, is. and, like, Brody Brody <laughs> is clearly sensing it, whether he wants to admit it to himself or not, so he gets rip-roaring drunk. Mm -hmm. That whole sequence is so well-written, so well-realized in the book. Has nothing to do with a shark movie or like a shark story, but like it's sort of like oh I could see this as like a you know like a Diary of a Mad Housewife spinoff movie or something mm -hmm. like yeah. this uh, about like just a marriage under pressure, um, and it yeah it seems like that's where Benchley's heart is, uh, and and like I actually like that part of the book. I did Again, too, yeah. I feel like it has no place in this story, but yeah. like I actually kind of like reading it. He yeah. turns into this like Noah Baumbach like <laughs> type of thing. We should have called it the Squid in the Whale. Then. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, I think that's where casting becomes so interesting. I think it's why a lot of people don't like the novel is the is the cast because the casting's so perfect in the film, right? So then yeah, you read yeah. like Brody is kind of this paunchy wimp in <laughs> in the book and you're like, but Roy Scheider is like badass. And yeah, yeah. and I think it it makes it it's a good move on the script's part by making him afraid of water. Because you look at Roy Scheider and you're like, Well, he seems to have most everything going on. Yeah. Uh, so it, it works out for and I'm trying to figure out, was this before or after all that jazz? 
Uh, before, before, yeah. right? Before, Just before yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, and then, you know, you see him as, like, the ultimate, like, alpha playboy Bob Fosse in that film, which is how I saw things, and then I was very confused when I saw all that jazz. <laughs> Roy Scheider's hot. What is going on here? Chief Brody? No. Uh, but he does convey those kind of, like, wimpy elements without actually coming off as weak, which yeah. is a really fine line to walk. And he does it very capably. Um, but by emphasizing in the book kind of the procedural elements of it, it it turns Brody less into a person and more just into like this kind of cold figure. Like you feel removed yeah. from him throughout. But you feel removed from all the characters because I think what Benchley is so fascinated with telling is again, kind of like these New Yorker type of stories about, like, the people of a town. So yeah. you don't really connect with the characters in the same way as you do on the screen. Yeah, definitely. And Scheider is so interesting because, like, he brings... It's so funny. He's so funny. Well, and so the book, he is, like, a quip-o-matic. Like, yeah. he has got yeah. jokes for days. But and no they, one's liking them. But no, <laughs> yeah, no one yeah. likes them. Yeah, he's like... And, like, I would be reading these or seeing these jokes, and I'm like, boy, that joke could have been... You cut it in yeah. half. So wordy. Like, yeah. he's like, oh, if you believe that, you set my shorts on fire and yeah. sell them down at the local farmer's market. I'm like, what? So do many words. Yeah. Why, do you, why does that top of the mind? Marx Brothers walk in. Crazy. And then you make him, like, a strong, silent guy who can, like, with one word say like you know I'm not afraid of the water I'm afraid of drowning and you're like yeah. oh this is so much funnier and better but him like, on the boat in that oh last act is so funny every so time good. he's asked to do something he's like what what for what do you, no. what do you want me to do he's <laughs> like climb up to the edge he's like why <laughs> also that was a random thing in the book Hooper is the one who's chumming and in yeah. my head I'm like no Brody chums Brody's yeah. the chum guy <laughs> Brody's chum bucket boy <laughs> that's not right <laughs> well and then yeah Dreyfus is like I mean which obviously I'm like Steve Steven Spielberg needed a Jewish analog on screen <laughs> and he got beardy Richard Dreyfus to come in and be that man for him and, yep. and become an idol for all of us boys out there <laughs> who wanted to be smart and cool <laughs> and have like also great quips where yeah. I mean I love the moment he arguably has some better ones yeah. all the guys who are on the boat and, he's, and they're like yeah walk straight ahead and he goes they're all gonna die yeah. and I'm just like I love him so much <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is that character in the the film is just so iconic because it's kind of a trope now to have like the the nerdy quote unquote you know expert on something yeah. whether that's horror whether that's action whether that, like you you have that hooper-esque character in so many films that it kind of sparks its own trope in a way and i went into reading the book cold so i just knew that it was jaws so i'm like i've yeah. seen the movie i know what to expect but to read the description of him in the book on the page and I, I, it's literally like what I'm assuming most people think when they go on Tinder. You know, you like you get that <laughs> somebody and then you meet that person and you're a lot like, Wait, of hoopers on Tinder. Man. What is happening here? Um and so when they start describing him as like this blonde Adonis, I'm like, No, I don't want this. And then when you get to the the Ellen Brody sequences which almost feel like Red Shoe Diaries pages. <laughs> well, especially there's the actual, Zalman King came in for punch yeah. There's a seriously. scene in a car where they're like talking to each other, and I'm just like reading this, like, no, oh yeah. god, why? Stop yeah. talking. I, I literally texted them like when I was in the restaurant scene. I was like. They are talking. Why are they yeah. talking? No. <laughs> so what's your fantasy? Oh, you know the usual rape. It's just like what? I was, like, I was like, tell me that a man wrote this in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you know, the usual. Unbelievable. Like, trust me, there is no woman saying the usual in that in the same sentence. Like, yeah, I, I literally was like thinking, like, I was like, when did this turn into Steve McQueen's shame? So I need this, need this to end. And it does... It does create this, A, it completely takes you away from the fact that this is a shark story, right? But at the same time, I just kept wondering, like, what is the point of all of this? Like, Benchley is very, I think, heavy-handed in his symbology and his themes. And I was just very confused with, like, what is the point? It was his first book? I think so, right? Because he was, like, inspired just by hearing the story of a shark being found and then was like, I'll do it. Because he was a, he was a journalist, Clearly, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Journal, exactly. Yeah, so I think it was his first novel. But yeah, it, it's it's funny. I once had a friend who described Jaws the movie as like a B film, and I was like, kind of taken because a it's just not that definition of what a B movie is. Well, sometimes yeah, but I could see it's like it is a it's monster bones, yeah. quote unquote yeah. movie, whatever. But I'm like. I could almost see that more after reading the book where I'm like, oh, this is a really pulpy book where it's like you have to get sex, you have to get the mob in there yeah. a little bit. Like Dude, you when the <laughs> fucking mob was up, <laughs> I could not believe it. It's like totally Twist his cat's head off? Yeah. Get it's, out of here, man. <laughs> and that's just kind of taken care of off screen. It is, yeah. It is tossed <laughs> off. And so I'm like, I almost see it more like now. I'm like, oh, okay, I can understand the giving it that way. But only if you've read the book. Like, the movie itself is so artfully done. I'm like, it's hard to call it that. It's yeah, Spielberg. Well, the mob stuff is so hilariously just inept. It, it almost feels <laughs> yeah. like Benchley is trying out different themes to yes. try to see yes. what works. So and then like, the mob. Yeah, he's like, I want to write a crime story here. Like, I want to do Mario Puzo, so I just need to, to do this. And I want to say that they tried a couple scripts where they included the mob at a certain point, and Spielberg was like, listen, the mob stuff's just not going to work yeah, out. Just we just, but work. They, I think they did make a good faith effort for a couple of drafts wow. to, like, include them. And you're just again questioning like it turns the book into that whole like the shark is bad but actually you know what's worse rampant mafia <laughs> long island well, is yeah. a hot bed well, for yeah. the well, even like like in the book the the setup to that revelation is just out of nowhere brody's like who are his partners yeah, and people being like i thought he just made up the name like, and he's like no and he's like no there has to be a partner what is the partner yeah Yes, it's the it, that, that is the Grisham element of yeah. it, where it's like, who's the partner, the lost partner? It's well, like, it yeah. plays like it wants to be like all the president's men, like <laughs> yeah. who are the partners? But it really just plays like Arrested Development, the Mister <laughs> yeah. X storyline, where it's just like you're trying to make something a thing that is actually not a thing. And again, I I kept reading it, thinking like, where is the shark in all of this? Right. And and seriously, that, for a, half the book. Just no shark, sure. I feel like. It's crazy. Yeah. And well, yeah. I think that was Benchley's big issue when after the movie became very successful is that, you know, he didn't really emphasize the shark that heavily in it. And when you really think about it, I, I wonder if he was a little irked by the fact that people were interested in the shark and not his like melodrama small town melodrama stuff (laughs) leaving on the cutting room floor here guys well the shark even the way the shark is written the concept of him as the fish yeah 
there's no real sense of like what the sh- he tries to like put you in the mind of the shark at a certain point and like give you. I these- did like the first one of those when it's describing him just attacking something because he thinks it's food. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be a lot more of that. I was like, yeah. oh, we're getting shark POV in this. <laughs> this is going to be great. No, you get no. a whole lot of like romance stuff, man. Well, that's the that's I think what works in the film's favor is that you still get the POV and you get that more. F- overtly more physically because you have the camera right. acting as the shark's mm-hmm. POV. But then you, And that great score. Yeah. Exactly. But then at the same time the the shark isn't exactly superhuman in the book. Yeah. yeah. But he's not exactly superhuman in the film, but he feels superhuman yeah. in a way that the book is lacking. Yeah. Well they keep being like he's maybe smarter than other sharks in the book. Yeah, very smart, <laughs> very dumb. Well, see, that's... Oh, we should... I mean, also, Robert Shaw. Like, the movie makes the amazing choice of, A, casting Robert Shaw. Yeah. Probably one of the great actors ever. Definitely and, one of the and great And making actors. him a much bigger part of the story. Yeah. Because, like, Quint is so... And is an absolute menace to everyone. Yeah, I, Including I mean, Brody's the... wife for that brief moment oh, they're interacting. Right. Uh, she's it's... like, she runs away because she's so that's put right. off by him. I mean, he's <laughs> like, oh my god. He's insane. He's so good. I mean, like, literally he introduces himself by rubbing his fingers on a chalkboard. <laughs> like, you're like, this man has no... Yeah. I, but I like, his little exit is so great. Uh, you know, mayor... Yeah, ladies, gentlemen, <laughs> like he's like still kind of proper. Yeah, and in the in the book he's he like had his drinking yet. he's like a you know a well worn fisherman who's a years in the being a fisherman. But uh, yeah, it's just sort of like even he in the book is like, nah, smart sharks aren't this smart, and it's like, oh, you're wrong, right? You're um, right. And it's gonna be your downfall. Uh, he, he's yeah. just kind of like generic salty dog in the book I feel like as in you get so much more I mean in probably one of the best written and famous monologues in the history of the medium written by John Milius over the phone who was just like "Uh, USS Indianapolis uh, sharks attack these guys and he just like basically was like I got it and just literally someone transcribed it and, and then Robert Shaw it's a great it. sequence. That's maybe the Anyways, most... Anyways, we delivered the bomb. That's and they all. did start singing. <laughs> I mean, that whole scene is the mo- Again, also yeah. where you like you get a moment like that where you truly get to care for these guys on the boat. They bond. Like, the movie yeah. also plays and all also, their differences yeah. so much smarter where it's like, Hooper still is a bit of a fancy lad. Yeah. He's a rich boy who got to go to school. Brody's the outsider who doesn't like the water. So, but like, so Hooper and Quint can, can go on that, but... Brody and Hooper bond, or, uh, uh, and Quint bond on being yeah. like working class. Like they have their like divisions, but they can all come together. And that scene is so per- it's such a yeah. dude's rock moment of dude the the scene the comparing scene of scars, Hooper seeing the scar, and yeah. then hearing his story. Like the look in his eyes, are like oh, oh my, my god. god, yeah. And b- before Shaw even starts talking, he's like thinking about the tattoo. He's like thinking about whether or not he's going to share the story. Yes. And then he's like. All right, fuck it. I'll tell him. I, I mean, also, like, there's the great moment in this that where where Brody moment. like looks at his appendix scar, but then doesn't do doesn't actually yeah. like thinks about. Oh my god, that whole well, scene is perfect. But also, perfect. I, I heard somewhere that it was supposed to be like it was a gunshot wound, but just uh, the way it plays, everyone assumes appendix scar. That's funny. Oh, that's, I mean, that's so good. I mean, it's it could. So why not both? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got a <laughs> lollipop. It was a cool day for me too. But you know what? It's not important. I'll put it back. Down. It's not I'll important now. I got. It's okay, I'll put it back down. (laughs) It brings up something that I noticed in reading the book is that the film gives them such weight, their stakes, 
there's complexity to them as characters. I mean, you want all of that in a good movie, but the book doesn't have that. If anything, the person who has weight and background to them is is Ellen Brody. Yeah. yeah. Who I if anything, if there's one thing I wish we could have taken just a little bit more is giving the actress whose name I don't remember right now. Oh, Lorraine Gary? Yes. Yeah. Um, giving her a bit more than just being supportive wife sitting She got home. Jaws 4, come on. That's yeah. true, that's very true. But Jaws 4, the revenge, you say the whole thing. Bro. But there's uh, elements within the book that feel, with her character, that feel very Spielbergian, you know? Yeah. Yes. Spielberg loves to talk about, like, what, what regrets and, like, being a, a character that is, like, trying to figure out your space especially when raising children yeah. he usually does this with dads but or you know in single moms it's but always dysfunctional yes usually. and i do love those elements of ellen brody's character where she's like you don't because you don't get female midlife crisis in a lot of mm. a, a lot of movies true. you know and that's what we pretty much see very ham-fistedly in the book is her having this question of like i'm a middle-aged woman have i thrown my life away um which I mean, probably, but... (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't marry that version of Brody if I were her. (laughs) No, I mean, again, when you have, like, Brad Pitt just shows up in Amity, uh, I'm like, I I mean, I get it, okay? But I I would have liked just just a smidge of that more, but that's really the only elements of the book where I'm like, you know, I think that might have been nice in there. Yeah, it's tough, because she does... I will say that actress uh, does have some good moments yeah. but it's not there is no depth to her like I, yeah. I was very chuffed by the like uh, you want to get drunk and fool around which yeah. is like so funny and then the moment when like he wants to get the kids out of the boat and then she looks at the book and, <laughs> and sees the shark attack in the boat listen like, to get your out of the father water. listen to your father I laughed so it's hard I don't remember bit. that from the movie I yeah. think I maybe didn't notice that when I've seen it previously such a good bit yeah, yeah. so she and yeah which they do kind of try to do even like a small small version of the dinner party where like she she has another great line again she does get good lines but there's just no there's not as much depth yeah. she's a supportive yeah. wife but the like Mr. Hooper you're in sharks like it's a great line <laughs> yeah. like there's some good yeah there's good stuff with her but they Brody they just yeah. pouring the entire bottle of wine into his glass <laughs> over white wine like he does like the most like, you're gonna want to let that breathe like yeah. ice. so good so good so good what. We talk about the the book having so much emphasis on the townsfolk, but I think what Spielberg does, and the cinematographer does so well too, is taking small elements of fear and I mean, people. It's a controversial question: Is Jaws a horror film? Mm. And I think that the movie definitely makes a call for like because the opening of the book is pretty much the same as the opening of the film, yeah. with with the the girl being killed. But it's one thing to read, and that's again the the joy of adaptation. Is it's one thing to read a you know big chunky paragraph description yeah. of a woman being drugged across the water, and it's another to see it actually. That sequence is fantastic yeah. too. It's one of the better openings. It it announces itself. Yeah. yeah. But for me, I think the f- part of the movie that I appreciate, at least in terms of like just the cold, stark realities of fear and death, is there's the scene where they're in like a little inlet or whatever. And the guy is eaten by the shark, and that he uses his dead body to like block the children yeah. from. And you're just you watch that, and you're like, oh my god, justice for that guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> don't know his name, okay, or the dog. I yeah, mean, the dog yeah. that gets eaten too. Again, justice for the dog and that guy. <laughs> That's really the. I mean, I know everybody gets all sad about the Kittner kid, but no, justice <laughs> for that guy and the dog. Yeah, That's what I'm waiting for. Rest in power, Pippet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Anyone seen Pippet? 
Pippet. Yeah. Uh, yes, that guy. And that is one of the a great, like, I would consider iconic shot of the yeah. movie of, like, that guy's leg yeah. just floating to the bottom yeah. covered yeah. in blood. It's like, oh, It's funny because, so cool. like, it is one of those moments you don't forget, but, like, this time I forgot it. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, right, that guy's Whoa, leg. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I, so, and then I have to come back to the Ben Gardner of it all. Like, in the movie, that plays, like, such a great suspense yeah. scene. Now, if I remember correctly, like, that was literally like a late pickup that they did in like Spielberg's pool. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. so it because he was just like, we need one more scare. Yeah. We need one more big scare. And it's like, again, this man just knows what he's doing. And that scene is so good. And that, that jump, I remember, so I don't know if everybody remembers their first time watching Jaws. But I remember seeing it, it was like a Saturday evening movie on ABC, which mm-hmm. was like a thing that used to happen. They would just be like, we're going to play a movie in its entirety, and we own this, so we'll play it or something. I, maybe they didn't at the time. But uh, so I remember watching it as maybe a teen, preteen, and like my parents are like, literally gave me the, it just, something's going to happen moment. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the head pops out. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so it was like a perfect, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It does lead you, though, to question, at least the questions that I ask, which no one asks, but it's, there's so many just floating body parts throughout Amity Island. <laughs> yeah, who's like, picking those things up? Exactly. Man. Are they washing up on the beach, like, years later? I, yeah. I, did somebody get Ben Gardner's head to, like, bury it yes. or something right. like that's true they do the mantle. they leave it there and then they drag it in the next day which yeah. is like i mean you could have gotten them yeah. at that point <laughs> you know fish yeah. Yeah. i mean is, is amity paying for the funerals of all the people lost you know during this whole shark thing? i mean i'm Unclear. assuming the civil lawsuit the mafia comes in i mean yeah these are these are questions they i see mean the air of their the, way the well, mafia that, undertaker. I mean, that would have been like truly eventually should have just written the sequel which is like the class action lawsuit against the <laughs> Electman and mayor. Hollywood is welcome to take this idea. I would be very interested. Yeah, no, he's gone. John. He leaves. He skips town. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He's got uh, after telling Ellen that like, oh, I could have married you. It would have been a great life. But it was like, what is happening? Here? Also, an insane moment in this movie with Ellen, where it's like, which which I guess makes her realize like, no, I like being with Brody, who's not a piece of garbage. Yeah. I, I guess or something. Oh, in the book, you mean? Yeah, yeah in the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when right, he yeah. like Larry Vaughn like uh, admits his feelings for her after she's already cheated on her husband yeah. with. Which yeah. it just makes me again like Ellen Brody in the book just becomes like this she's the, apparently the only hot chick every dude, yeah. every dude loves her every, she's Mary from there's something about Mary in this, this book <laughs> which again is how you know that it was written by a man because I'm just like I don't know Ellen Brody's probably great and all but I, it's just a little yeah. much yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I, well they, there's also again in the book too like she, they try to which now here's a question because I feel like this is like not really answered in the book do we think that she picked, is it like Daisy Whitner? Is that the woman she's like set someone up with Oh, on for purpose Hooper. because she knows. Yeah, do you think she picked someone who's a lesbian to, to be like That's at an the dinner party? Theory. Who's also like a wacky hippie, which I think was also yeah. a total choice of like these crazy health food girls. The conversation about like, what's the name of that? Um, Gazpacho and Grass? Yes. A G and G. A G and G. I was like, this is. So absurd. It's it's definitely one of those moments that reads like a hello there fellow kids thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, yes. Just like, that, that she she turns to Hooper and is like, Have you ever done a G and G? And he's like, No, but I've 
you know, I've heard of it. It's like, yeah. no, nobody's ever heard of it. Nobody's ever no heard of a g and I just can imagine Peter Benchley was, like, sitting outside a star, well, whatever the 1970s equivalent of Starbucks was at the time, just trying to, like, listen to what the youths are talking about. Grass, okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm going to call it? A g and These kids love grass and gazpacho? They love okay. cold soups. <laughs> cold soups are yeah. hot in the streets right now. <laughs> <laughs> got to get these kids. Or it's oh. like a news segment. Like, he heard, like, the, you know what the kids are doing? today they're doing this thing and he's like oh well that must be true I are mean, your kids eating gazpacho yeah. it might be laced with marijuana more in eight like it's truly insane um yeah that so was so this is apropos of nothing but i was just thinking about peter benchley's mind there's a reference in the book to i think after hooper has died and brody has come home for the night which again insane yeah um is that he falls asleep watching quote a fred astaire and ginger rogers movie called weekend at the waldorf and i was like that is not a fred astaire and ginger rogers movie so i googled it it is a ginger rogers movie that co-stars his grandfather robert benchley so he put in a little benchley easter egg uh benchley Benchley recognized Benchley. <laughs> but at the same time, it did irk me as a classic film fan that I, I knew that it was not a Fred and Ginger movie. And I was like, I feel like you could have maybe included something that's actually authentic because what you've done now is just piss off all the Fred and Ginger fans exactly. that are like, I know that's not true. That doesn't have fact check. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about. Did anyone read this book? <laughs> and yeah, at that point, you just close the book and you're like, this dude doesn't. He, he lost Throw me at across that. across the room. I can stand for shark slander, but yeah. not yeah. Phew, bam. Yeah. <laughs> that, You're like, yeah, if the, this the, guy doesn't know what a Fred Leonard and Ginger movie is. The Leonard of the world were just like, no! <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't know which, what a Fred and Ginger movie is, then clearly he knows nothing about sharks eating people and the mob. But he knows women really yeah, well. Yeah, he does know <laughs> women. And the, and the hippies. And, and, the, and, hippie and the hippies. Yes. Yeah, he gets, he's on the finger on the pulse of that stuff. But to go back to your point about whether it's intentional or not, I did think it was intentional. Okay. And I kept wondering again because not to call peter benchley a man who doesn't know women but again it read like oh so she's jealous because she's a woman who's like interested in him so that's when she's petty but okay it's the 70s i mean she's we, just trying to you know manipulate things so it works yeah. in her yeah, favor. yeah. it's i can't get <laughs> mad at that i was like listen it's 70 or i forget when the book was published 73 73 somebody's gonna tell me i wrote a book about it but i don't <laughs> uh, but i was like you read, you read a lot of books for this book exactly. so. facts are for forgetting i'm yeah. gonna be like i'm assuming that pe women reading this second wave feminism it's a thing they're like look we we burned our bras but we got to deal with this yeah. stuff so <laughs> ellen brody machiavellian god yeah. who's just as real you give you have to give a little and take a little so there, yeah okay so Let's wrap it up. Any any parting thoughts before we do our final like we liked it, we didn't like it thing. I don't know. I yeah, mean, I don't just, have any notes. I just have random quotes from the book that I was just like, this is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, untethered breast is a good one. <laughs> oh yeah. Again, some of these descriptions. Her are vagina nuts. yawning open and glistening. I yeah. I had to put the book down for a second Oof. and wipe my brows. Like this is there's, obscene. There's a whole subset of social media that is women talking about finding lines from books written by men, and they're just like, a man oh. has no idea what yeah. is, and and there, I, yeah. there's there's a, so many moments in the book where I was just like. Tell me that you know female anatomy with just a line, <laughs> sir. I mean, come on. There's I, a there's a 
there's a pretty good one I used to read a while back called Stephen King Boners, and it's him <laughs> describing boners in all of oh his books, and it is some of the funniest shit of all time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, like, also the interesting thing. Like, the affair is, like... It's also you're so right. It's like weirdly puritanical that then like Hooper has to die, yeah. yeah. And but it's also like wholly unsatisfying for Ellen. Like the way that that yeah. sex scene is described. Oh is yeah, that so basically like like yeah. Hooper's checked out looking at the wall, and she has to be like, "Hello, I'm yeah. here." Well, I'm he's got the shark here. eyes. Yeah, he's got his dead shark eyes <laughs> pounding away. I just I feel like that's where Benchley just seems to like come alive in a way he's yeah. like writing these passages it's just like, feverishly yeah. throwing pages above his exactly, head exactly where I was like I feel like he's he's like this is gonna be this is gonna blow Dear Penthouse out of me <laughs> this is my opus and I'm just I'm like remember when this was about sharks yeah. um, sharks I, what's he up to yeah and yeah isn't isn't I'm sorry to like backtrack but like isn't even like Chief Brody basically like awakened waking from a wet dream of like <laughs> thinking back to like feeling someone up in high school or something yeah. like that and what's what's fascinatingly hilarious about it is that you're like somebody listening to this is like cool this is like some horny sexy book it is definitively not it is just <laughs> the most unsexy writing oh, I have no. read in yeah. a minute and I was reading this in a hotel room like on vacation with my family and I'm just like this is actually really just unsettling and <laughs> I would like to stop yeah. now <laughs> especially the actual motel scene yeah it's I mean, and also, like, as a teen, like, when I first read this, the moment that tipped the scales is, like, Ellen puts, like, uh, a perfume on, like, her, uh, like, breasts and genitals as a genital citizen. I was like, wouldn't that burn? Wouldn't that hurt? That doesn't seem good at all. And I was just like, seeing the word genitals in the book Jaws, I was like, uh, I've made a mistake. I wish wish I had done a different adaptation. Well, apart from the claspers, there's 17 mentions of claspers, so at least... I mean, that's just one of a few... Again, Hollywood is welcome to take the sequel, Jaws and Genitals, and turn it into something. We're ready. The time is now. Or classspers. Action Jaws. I'm Remake ready for that Jaws. I mean, why not both, though? It's yeah, be about I, Jaws and genitals <laughs> and a class action lawsuit. I mean, and that's your B plot. And the mafia, yes. <laughs> okay, so now we vote. Um, we'll start with you because you are the guest, Kristen. Um, did you enjoy the book? Yes. Did you enjoy the movie? Yes. Which is better? The movie. The movie. Uh, Tyler? I enjoyed the book as sort of an artifact and also is an interesting bit of writing Mm -hmm. and i enjoyed the movie and the book is or uh definitively worse and the movie is definitively better uh (laughs) there's no question one of them is a stone cold classic you'll watch every year for the rest of your life and a boogie one is a book you read and you're like that's kind of weird yeah all right interesting cool uh alan uh, a quick shout out to uh, listen to the audiobook again. Uh, Eric, I think his name is Eric Steele. Eric Steele. Uh, he his voice for the uh, the guy that works for the Gazette is so smarmy and so annoying <laughs> that I was like, this is pitch perfect. Uh, I thought the book was okay. I really loved the dinner scene. Uh, I kind of wanted a little bit more of that, although I was like, where the fuck is the shark? Well, you're a G&G uh, head, so... Yeah, I'm a huge G&G head. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I did listen Anytime to... represented. Some of the audiobook, and his voice for Ellen is also wild. Where well, just like, he does the classic thing where he's like, oh, I'm just going to talk I'm a little El- soft. I'm Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can only imagine hearing, again, the sex scene sections, having a person read, a dude read it. It's I'm just... pretty interesting. Let me just say that. <laughs> 
Oh, you know, the usual. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's, it's, it's him saying it in my head, in her voice, and I'm like, oh, that's going to be with me forever. It's my rosebuds. Um, but yeah, the, the book is okay. I really like the dinner sequence because it's really fascinating, uh, but ultimately not a great book. Uh, the movie is absolutely perfect, fantastic. Obviously, way, 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 way times infinity better. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and I'm not going to belabor it. Yeah, the book is fine. The movie is excellent, and I prefer it greatly. Um, Bunch of hot takes here today. Said, this is, is this, this is our first movie sweep? Yeah, we agreed. agreed. Yeah. I think usually, I'm especially usually, proud that I we know, both we agreed. did it. Usually, the book does win. Yeah, um, by a narrow squeaker. So it's funny because. I tell people usually when I talk about the book that I didn't want to include books that I didn't like as much as the movie. And there are several books that I love the movie version. Like, but, I, but I'm like, you can't have a title called but have you read the book and not try to compel people to read the movie. So American Psycho was not included, unfortunately, because I despise the book. Um, but in this case, having not read the book before, I was like, it's, it's an interesting curiosity. Like, you can't love the movie and not at least want to see yeah. its, oh, or its sure. sad it, it origin story. Definitely interesting. Book. It, it's sort of like, yeah, like an anthropological anthropological yeah. sort of yeah. like what did Spielberg take and how did he do this and it's like a very yeah it's like definitely a peek into the his random mind. openings and beginnings of chapters with unrelated people from yes. the town yeah I, that made me insane. so it does make you insane where you're just yeah. like what is happening and again like you said it's like Father, very read me one of those shark stories <laughs> no <laughs> what yeah. what are shark stories uh, <laughs> yeah. the pastrami sales of <laughs> it's so much more effective and like almost like Simpson-esque where you're like you you meet just a bunch of people from the town but like and they can pop up later or come in and you just have those moments but they're all like at least somewhat plot related like even the the dock almost like thrill scene where you're like oh it's my wife's holiday roast which if only this time after seeing the movie 25 times and it strike me weird I'm like does she make a 4th of July roast <laughs> what <laughs> do you have a roast in your fridge until in July for like November? Well, you, I don't know. You don't save a roast for the day of our America's founding? Yeah. I, well, I do like for one they of put the firecrackers hottest, in the roast. One of the hottest holidays. <laughs> I do want my oven at 500 degrees on one of the hottest days of the year. Of always. course. And then you blow up the oven too <laughs> yeah, with fireworks. Unfortunately, gazpacho and grass did not become the national yeah. food of 4th of July. G and G. So. Yeah. G, &G a G and G and some hot dog and a roast. It's they like... tried it along with the metric system. It didn't take. <laughs> Should we also give the obligatory mention to the guy who on the dock who when Hooper goes it's a uh, tiger shark and he goes a what yeah <laughs> has to be has to be said a what yeah. just the one like moment of maybe LGBTQ representation <laughs> I'm not really clear but I feel like it it, it's might a possibility be. it's a possibility <laughs> and then in the next scene I forgot that guy's like then arguing with Hooper and you're like oh this is like a tough dude but yeah. he just for one moment went a what because he never heard that before he's like a tiger's not a shark tiger yeah tigers are on land sharks are in the ocean you're speaking science nonsense to me over here well thanks for tuning in you don't tune in a podcast but thanks for uh, streaming or downloading or whatever you do um this has been better than the movie we will be back next month with 
Misery, I swear, I swear it will really happen this time. Yeah, and if you feel like you missed out on Misery, just know Alan was still on this podcast, so. <laughs> That's enough. enough. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Kristen, for being here. This please, guy's getting married. Please check out her book, but have you read the book, 52 Literary Gems That Inspired Our Favorite Films? We do, of course, have copies at the Skylight Books, uh, 1818 North Vermont Avenue in Los Angeles, California. You can... Uh, About to be signed copies. Yes, you can order from... Uh, uh, our website as well, skylightbooks.com. And you can check out the classic film podcast that Kristen co-hosts, Ticklish Business, at ticklishbizbiz.com or wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Maybe where you enjoyed this one. Anyhow, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you come back. And actually, if you're in town, please, please uh, check out the American Cinematheque website and buy a ticket to see us uh, argue and babble in person. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Stay floaty. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh yeah, stay floating. No, that's, 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 that, that's not getting cut. That's not getting cut. Alright. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Skylight Books podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to check out the book featured in this episode or others, please visit skylightbooks.com. If you're in the Los Angeles area, stop by for one of our live in-person author events. You can find a calendar on our website. If you like this podcast, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Our music is by Duck the Piano Wire. Till next time. Mm-hmm.